Today's show is brought to you by IBM. 16 million new-collar jobs will be created by 2024. To help fill them, IBM's new education model gives high school students workplace experience and an associate's degree. 90 P-Tech schools are already preparing graduates for tomorrow's STEM careers. Let's put smart to work. Find out how at ibm.com slash P-Tech. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech and this week's news. You can send us your questions on Twitter with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. We also have an email address, tooembarrassed at recode.net. Reminder, there are two R's and two S's in embarrassed in case you cannot spell. Today on Too Embarrassed to Ask, I'm delighted to be in the studio with NYU professor Scott Galloway, who is a favorite of mine and also the podcast. Um, very popular. I don't know if you know this. You're one of the more popular podcasts. Thank you. And because you're prescient, apparently. Yeah. Um, he's the author of The Four, his recent book, The Hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, which we've talked about in the past. And this is his third time on the Recode podcast. He's been on my other show, Recode Decode, twice, including one time where he famously predicted Amazon would buy Whole Foods, and then they did it. Uh, Scott, welcome to Too Embarrassed to Ask. Uh, We have a lot of questions from people who are distrustful of the four and other big tech companies. But I just want to sort of want to get, since we talked about, and since the book came out, give me some of your thoughts of what's going, because so much has happened, the Facebook things, uh, Facebook hearings in Congress. We had, you know, Google announced a whole bunch of new stuff. Um, Apple is doubling down. I got Tim Cook to talk about privacy. That was huge. And then obviously a trillion dollar Apple kind of stuff. So there's a lot, and Amazon, everything it does. So let's just give me a quick synopsis and we'll get to questions. We have a million questions for people for you. So just in the time, you know, publishing hasn't, isn't kind of what I'll call the epicenter of innovation. And there's a lag between when you write something and when it's published. And when I was writing this, the general feedback from the publisher was, this is great and we want to protect your voice, but is this really going to happen? It seems like you're being a little out of control around Mm -hmm. the threat these companies uh, present. And the worm has turned. I mean, right. if you look at where we were two years ago, mm-hmm. the only argument was which CEO was more Christ-like or going to run for president. <laughs> and it was, it was a love fest. Yeah. And now everyone's We'll get to of, Elon Musk in a second. There you go. Now everyone's piling on. <laughs> right. So the, I would say just the sentiment has changed dramatically. But what's interesting is from a business standpoint, no one cares. Mm-hmm. So Facebook appears to be negligent in terms of putting in place the safeguards to ensure the— Platform is yeah, safe. Ensure that it's not weaponized. Everyone's outraged. Where do they go to express their outrage? Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. A conservative commentator mocks a 17-year-old, which is a terrible thing. She loses a third of her advertisers within seven days. Facebook undermines the democracy, and Pep Boys and Playboys say they've had enough. Seven mm-hmm. of the five million advertisers. Facebook right now is probably one of the cheapest stocks in tech. It's trading mm-hmm. at a forward multiple of 20. The S&P trades at 17, but Facebook's growing 49% a year yeah, versus, incredible. versus 6%. So... It doesn't appear that anyone that matters from a business standpoint cares about this. Specifically, advertisers and mm-hmm. consumers don't really seem to care. Right. And the same thing around privacy. I just had uh, Antonio Garcia Martinez talk about that with Facebook. Specifically. Mm-hmm. It's like people don't care about privacy the way maybe Congress or faux cares about it and citizens don't. Talking about privacy is like putting on mom jeans. It just makes you look old, right? <laughs> so it, it, show me someone complaining about privacy. I'll show you someone who's over the age of 40 and is in Brussels or D.C. Uh-huh. But, you know, well, Tim Cook, yeah. I, but that that is shareholder-driven. Yes, absolutely. I, I generally believe that's, yeah. that's principled, but that would be like Larry and Sergey all of a sudden becoming very concerned that kids are spending too much time on screens. Right. You know, there's a shareholder-driven rationale for uh-huh. him saying that privacy <laughs> matters. That's 
that foot, I'm sure it's principle, but it foots to shareholder value. So going forward with the, the four, what are the themes now then? What From your perspective, you had certain themes and you named, if you all of them had a different yeah, DNA, different essentially, different instinct. So what are the themes now since you've written that? I still think they're as powerful as ever. Uh, the major theme, I would argue, that's been one of the true kind of the absolutes in history is that power corrupts. Mm -hmm. And I believe these firms have too much power. They're not bad people, but history is littered with terrible events started by people who were started out good people but had too much power. If you buy into the American way, Mm -hmm. you buy into checks and balances. We're going to have to endure Trump for a maximum of six years. Putin will be dead in 10 to 20. Mark Zuckerberg could be around for 70 years. Right, right. I think this is, you know, someone, Calster's called him a dictator. I think that's being unfair to dictators. And most of them are going to go away. <laughs> yeah. So so I think— He's staying there. I think He's the theme really is power corrupts and that we're at a natural point of the economic cycle where the marketplace needs to be oxygenated and we need to break them up. So we're going to talk about that. But first, let's get some questions. We've got a ton of them. Uh, Tracy Fellows asks, I'm going to go through them and then we're going to go back and forth and talk about different things. As biometric data starts to augment and perhaps even replace behavioral data, how will uh, GAFA, I guess that's Google, Amazon, Apple, Apple, okay, GAFA, okay, convince us they have a code of conduct in place or responsible enough to look after such highly personal, individual and sensitive data. It's not like they have covered themselves so far in glory. Well, they won't, but right. but advertisers and consumers won't care. Look, consumers talk a big game about supply chain ethics, and mm-hmm. but they want that little black dress for nine ninety nine, and they want the mm-hmm. Nespresso pods within forty eight hours. So, it, the revolution's not going to be consumer led. Believing, just as the NRA could never connect assault weapon sales with mass shootings of, of children, and tobacco could never make the connection between tobacco and cancer, Facebook is never going to make the connection mm-hmm. between unfettered content That's and a advertisers. Really good point. And shareholder value, they're never going to, and the subterfuge of our democracy, they're never going to make that connection. And you know what? It's not their job. It's our job to elect people who make those connections and regulate them and hold them to the same standards that we hold every other company. So who's at fault here? It's us, Kara. I mean, it's the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror. It's the citizenry. We have to elect people that hold them accountable. A better business model for a manufacturer, Mm -hmm. a much better business model for General Motors and its employees and its shareholders would be if they could pour their mercury into the river. Mm-hmm. It's a better business model. Right, and it's we a stopped desert, them. Yeah. And we said, no, you're now liable for that mercury, mm-hmm. and we regulated them. For right. some reason, or we continue. Or seatbelts or tobacco. Whatever it might be, or two pilots in a cockpit, right? Right, right. Whatever it is, that we have decided that with most industries, a certain amount of regulatory intervention or trust busting is warranted. For some reason, mm-hmm. with these guys, our leaders don't have the we'll, domain we'll talk expertise about that. Talk about the, the hearings. What was your, did you watch them all? I watched oh, them Fascinating. Right. They were it, fascinating. Uh, those, the 600... Did he look pe- like Data? Someone just told me he looked like Data. <laughs> That's an interesting one. <laughs> this, I, I think he looked like my... Like, you know, I think he looked like my paper. I think he looks so young. But the 600 communications professionals at Facebook, they have 600 of them, yeah. did their job. Mm-hmm. They played us in Congress perfectly. They employed the oldest strategy in sports, burn the clock. Mm -hmm. They noticed the glitch in the matrix was they were stupid enough that all these megalomaniacs didn't get in a room and say, hey, does anyone here understand technology? And Mm -hmm. maybe the representative, Lisa, said, yeah, I get technology. I go, okay, Lisa, we're going to give you 10 minutes and we're going to take Bob's five minutes away. But they were too ego-driven to do that. Right. They realized the glitch in the matrix, and they said, if you look at it, and I I wrote this all Mm -hmm. down, Mm -hmm. repeat the question slowly, say senator, repeat that it's an important question, one of eight different talking points, Mm -hmm. and if they ask a follow-up question that's more probing, Mm -hmm. say this is an important question, I need to get back to you, (laughs) four, three, two, one, gavel drops, next question. Right. They literally employed burn the clock. It was Facebook one, 
the U.S. and Congress zero. It demonstrated that the lack of domain expertise and will in Washington means absolutely nothing right. constructive is going to come out it's of It's astonishing. One of the things I said, someone was like, oh, he did well. I said, he didn't do well. They did badly. It was not, a, it was, he did well for for their, the way they set it up. It was remarkably unremarkable. Yeah. They managed to say nothing over and over every five minutes. Right, right. So what would be really fun is the hearings in front of Parliament in the U.K. Yeah. That would, that's little, the event you want to cover. Because they're a little savvier and have no, and they're so, going to let them ask the questions. Yeah, they're going to, and if someone actually sounds right. like they know what they're talking about, they're going right. to say, I, I defer my time, to, I yield my time to you. They're not yeah. going to let them get away with the spread in the clock. Right, strategy. and w- w- to me, what was the most striking example of that? Warren Hatch not knowing what they did, or? Oh, my senator from Florida, Bill Nelson, when I tell my friends I like chocolate, I get ads for chocolate. What if I don't want them? It was just sort of, it, 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 they came across as so clueless. Right. And I also, I think they still are infected with that deference. Yeah. I don't, why would they supply to him other than he's a billionaire? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I, right. I, I think they would have gone. If he, if there had been a 55-year-old mm-hmm. who was only worth $10 million, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have been a deferential. But mm-hmm. we now worship at the altar of youth and mm-hmm. billionaires, and right. he's both those things. Right, right, right. And then they, they did hand him with kick gloves. It was astonishing. It was kind of fascinating in terms yeah, of— Yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious to get your take, but my, my, oh. I, I thought they absolutely I got thought he played. Didn't, I thought they got played. I think the obsession with terms of service— like as if it was the biggest national security that you can't read a term, it, the terms of service. I was like, who cares? Like get to the actual, like what happened is what I would like to know. Why did you, there's so many questions. Why was nobody fired? Why was, uh, why, how did Cambridge Analytica slip through? Because I know you guys do monitor companies that have your data and I know you can chase them down and I know you do chase them down. Why didn't they get chased down? How did the system go into place? Who was monitoring the platform? Why wasn't anybody, mon- was, did those people not there? What happened to the platform? Did it, it, It's like a, like so many We can write the question. Right. Right, we could do. Oh, I'm going to be asking I, I Cheryl mean, Sandberg those in a couple. Of haven't weeks. you committed involuntary treason? Yeah, Let's well, start there. Yeah. Right. If you don't put up any safeguards, right. and you know these things are happening, and you refuse to put up those safeguards, what have they said? There will always be bad actors. Mm-hmm. That's basically say, acknowledging it's going to happen again. Right. Which they did say. Starbucks has an unfortunate incident at their store. It's terrible. They close it down for a day, and they've gotten a lot of abuse for it. Do you think Facebook would close their platform no, down for a I minute? No, I suggested they did. For a minute? For a minute, They no. won't even refuse to take political ads. Right, right, right. So— I, Oh, how did they not monitor political ads? I could go on and on. Yeah. Like, what happened between 2012 Let's and Let's have our own hearings. Yes, I'm ready. We are. Okay, we're going to. All right, next question. It feels like telecom companies keep playing dirty in the sandbox. I don't know. That's seeing these companies play a major role in connecting customers in big tech. How will telecom affect the future of business? Okay, the AT&T thing. This just happened this week. We get, now so we get I think they're in trouble. I mean, the, the call by Trump to restrain, and it was Trump, to restrain the AT&T Time Warner merger is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Because the, the complaint there is its content and distribution is too powerful. So you have distribution of 130 million AT&T contracts, and then you have content of Time Warner, HBO, CNN, Turner, mm-hmm. great content. All right. So that's powerful. However, now let's look at the content and distribution peanut butter and chocolate of Google. 2 billion installed Android devices, the largest video network in the world, YouTube, but AT&T needs to sell Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. Amazon has penetration in two-thirds of U.S. households with Amazon Prime. No cable company has anywhere like right. that. Second largest spender, $5.5 billion on original content. But Time Warner has to sell the Cartoon Network? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, it's just... So one of two things is happening. Either the call to restrain AT&T acquiring Time Warner is ridiculous, mm-hmm. or we should have broken these guys up. 10 years ago. Right. So I think the telcos are playing defense for the first time right now. I think they're back on their heels, and I think they need to merge. And everybody's bulking up because one of the few things you can do to push back 
is bulk up. Right. So, so it, they also entered into the Michael Cohen universe, which was astonishing. Which is strange. You couldn't have added a weirder. I mean, it's strange. We have Randall Stevenson coming to code. Uh, in a couple of weeks. But you know what? I empathize with them. It's like, hate the game, not the player. Washington right. is pay to play. This happens everywhere. They didn't realize this guy was such a, you know, an undesirable. But if someone comes to you and says, I he can. He looks like he was important, right? He does. He, he did. He looked at the hair. time when they hired him. Well, yeah, he was the personal attorney to Donald Trump. And he got so you up I, to I can see Trump how Tower. it happened. I think it's more of an indictment on the pay to play system we have that I don't think, quite frankly, I'm not sure ATT did anything wrong. I think it was just bad judgment. Did, the, did any impact on what's going to happen here? Good or bad? It could be good. Like, it looks like they were... I'll, I'll turn it back to you. What do you think? I, I, about I don't know. I, I, you know, they apologized quickly and said this was a stupid... I think they handled it well. Yeah, they handled it well. Um, I think this merger probably will go through. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it'll go through, and it won't... Um, I don't think they'll have to sell much of anything. They'll ask them to sell one or two things so they can say they did their they job. They can't sell CNN. He, no. They can't sell CNN. That would seem too obvious. That would seem yeah. too much. But they'll they'll they sell do? some weird thing, and they'll come up with a reason for it, and everyone will feel like they got what they wanted. But Right. But you're 100% right about they need to bulk up. This is just—they like they are literally ignoring four companies. You know, it was really interesting to me. I was thinking about this the other day. When we had Microsoft around, and you were around, and I covered that trial, too— um, it was one company that was doing everything. This is four or five of them to get, together and apart that are doing it. And so that's what makes it difficult. So you can't, like, at one point someone asked Mark Zuckerberg in the hearings, do you have any competition? And he was like, Senator, everybody. Like, but I was like, yeah, you do, but you don't. Like, well, and so social didn't invent. It wasn't around when Microsoft was around. There was right, software. But, but so that was Facebook it. has competition, but they have adjacent competition. It's not. Do they really? That, they, do they, they don't. Really they have don't. That's no. They don't. That's what I'm saying. And so they're like individually. Like it literally is like a Game of Thrones. You've got yeah. you know Westeros. You've got this thing, but they're all powerful in their own way. But they're. And just as bad as Microsoft was by itself, individually. They have social and they own apps. Five, yeah. you know, six of the top ten apps. They dominate social. I mean, think and then about you have ads. Apple over here with their dominance, Amazon with their dominance. Everybody's got their sandbox, and right. they're bumping up against each other because they all feel that they're the rightful heir to the throne. Mm -hmm. But they're monopolies in their yeah. own category. If look at Facebook, if if the four largest retailers, mm -hmm. if Walmart, Kroger's, Home Depot, and CVS got together every morning mm -hmm. and said. We're going to focus all our resources on putting number five, Target, out of business. Target would go out of business. Right. That's what's going on with Snap. Snap's right. the walking dead because right. the four biggest players, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, and Messenger, every morning meet and say, how do we put these guys out yeah. of business? That's I will ask that to Evan behavior. Spiegel who's coming. He's, it, but he's so innovative and interesting. He, you know, There's I, only so much you can do. So many. It's a great company. Has. We wish it would survive. It's the walking dead. Right. All right. I'll tell him that. Months. You said that. All right. Travis Parker Martin asks, in your book, you say that a defining aspect of being in the four is being liked by the public, which is why Uber won't be a fifth anytime soon. Maybe they are now. Yep. Uh, given the backlash against Facebook, how does it affect the medium long-term status as a tech giant and a likable tech giant? I, I think, think likability is overrated, as you know. Yeah, I think I think this is probably highlighted that it's not as, as important as I probably said in the book. Although I think Sheryl Sandberg is infinitely likable. Mm -hmm. And I think they were brilliant putting her out in front of Mark Zuckerberg. He's not a likable guy. I just don't think he's just a little bit awkward. Yeah, he's not I think, dislikable. I think she is inspiring and intelligent and a fantastic role model. And I, I think they were smart to kind of push her 
out front. I also think that these companies... Well, has be, she been hurt a little bit? A lot of people oh, in Silicon Valley feel like she has. 100%. Initially, In my opinion, and I, I, you know this better right. than I do, I don't know her. I think she was planning on running for president and has basically shot herself in the foot because what she failed to realize is, is the public anoints leaders based on the risks they take, not the ones they avoid. Mm-hmm. And I think both of them decided oh, to really retreat important. to the caves of Kandahar for a week. <laughs> and one of the keys to handling a crisis is that you immediately respond. And they said, well, They're we really want nice it. caves, just so you know. Really nice caves. Yeah, they have but uh, people, fresh they, kombucha. They say, they say, well, we wanted to make sure we knew what was going on. Well, you come out right away and you say, we don't know what's going on, but we're going to come out here every day and tell you what we know. So right. they, they, Facebook and Cambridge Analytica is literally the textbook case study on how not to handle a crisis. Uh-huh. They violated the, the pillars of crisis Why management. Why do you think that happened? Well, you respond immediately. Yeah. Even if you don't need any information. You have the top guy or gal take responsibility and acknowledge Starbucks, the issue. Right. And they were immediately, they were playing slow ball the whole way. Yeah. Right? That's their thing, though. You slow know ball. That. Slow roll is Facebook. Slow roll, slow ball, not acknowledging the issue. And then the, the key is to overcorrect, mm-hmm. to uh, clear the shelves of every bottle of Tylenol, even mm-hmm. though it was an isolated James. incident in, the, in, the, in, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. What do they do? What have they really done? Mm-hmm. What have they really done? to address this issue. Okay, they're catching up to what traditional media has been doing for 30 years. They're going right. to have to label, you're going to have to identify yourself as tools, a political. The browser, clear your browser. An audit, okay. stuff like, but for the most part, it would, does this even come anywhere close to an overcorrection? Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, it looks as if I'm wrong and they're right. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, it doesn't matter, the stock is... Look what happened to the stock. They crushed Earnings. But you were saying damage, scars that maybe aren't going to heal quite the way they imagined. I think, I think short-term Facebook is an incredible buy. We were talking about this. Mm-hmm. Trades at a forward multiple right. at 20. S&P trades at 16. The S&P is growing 6%. Facebook's growing 49. I would like to think over the medium and long term that dictators come to a bad end. Mm-hmm. And I believe— Ceausescu. Ultimately. Or, or Gaddafi or right. let's go on. And I should back up and say I'm not comparing Zuckerberg to either of those. But the, uh, the absolute I just wanted here— to say Ceausescu. Ceausescu. That is a cool name. Yeah, he was an awful— They killed him awful and thing. his wife. His wife, um, yeah. Anyways, Probably they should have done it twice as far as I'm concerned. Hung him and then shot him? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that threw me off. So <laughs> with, with, with Zuckerberg, uh, Castro took over Cuba at 11 million people. We were freaked out. Zuckerberg oversees the content and influence and mood of a community greater than Christianity, the Southern Hemisphere, plus India. And by the way, he's going to be with us for 70 years. Yeah. I think it's frightening. Yeah. Good. And by the way, I think he's probably a good guy. But Pretty good guy. if you believe in the American system, yeah. the key central to our system is checks and balances and term he's limits. He's got none, and he got none. All right, Justin Fincher, are there some technologies that are launched slower than they could be due to probable public reaction examples, self-driving 18-wheelers, putting a bunch of drivers out of work? So tech comes out over years instead of months. So it should be launched slower. Should, should, should what they're doing, like you're saying, they're going to be here for 70 years, but they're going to keep launching their stuff. That's a that's a thoughtful question. I don't have a good answer for. So I, I wonder. I mean, there's some technologies that are supposed to be changed the word VR, 3D printing, Internet of Things that I think have been huge head fakes. I actually believe self-driving cars is one of those technologies that's going to change the world, but Absolutely. it's going to be a terrible place to invest. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the auto industry, it's a low-margin, fairly competitive, efficient business. It hasn't stuck its chin out the same way that the media business. The media business had it coming. It was purposely opaque. They didn't tell you which half of your advertising was being wasted. They stuck their chin out. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just wasteful. The auto industry, not so much. Daimler, Benz, and Ford are capital-intensive, efficient companies. 
So I think any company, whether it's Apple or Google or some of the tech companies uh, I've been speaking to, I think any effort to go into that industry is a shareholder-destroying mm-hmm. uh, move. I think it's going to be great for us as citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, Copenhagen's going to go all driverless. It's mm-hmm. going to be fun in New York. Mm-hmm. But from a shareholder standpoint, I would argue that the technology of self-driving cars is an example, is an example of a technology along with virtual reality mm-hmm. that it results in incredible destruction of shareholder value. For these companies. Well, look at Facebook's deep into it. VR or self-driving cars? VR. Yeah, but that's just stupid. VRs, VRs, then this again goes back to the notion that we anoint these people to Jesus Christ of our generation. And then he says, virtual reality is going to unlock new worlds. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, Jesus Christ has identified Mm -hmm. a new Mm -hmm. technology. Everyone from Samsung to Kleiner Perkins throws hundreds of millions of billions of dollars into VR without acknowledging one thing. No one is going to put something on their face that makes them look stupid. Right. It makes them less likely to procreate. Right. And you look stupid wearing Mm -hmm. VR. It's just... I mean, think about it. You're wearing Ray-Bans. I'm wearing, I'm wearing Warby Parker. You just don't put something on your face, much less your person. Oh, it's interesting. It I, I just did a really – Carne Arena, which Lorraine Jobs is paying for this, this, this um, artistic installation. I, it was a VR one. It actually was the first time I effectively thought it was an interesting thing because I was in an art installation. And it worked. They had a lot of physical things. You walked on dirt. You felt wind, and you put you in an immigration, uh, a border, be crossing mm-hmm. the border. And it actually was, well, you didn't empathetically feel fear, you know, mm-hmm. you didn't, that these people do. It was an effective use of it in an artistic sense. And IMAX is a fantastic yeah. experience, and, yeah. it, and it's worth about a half a billion dollars. I mean, it'll, there'll be niche applications, right? But it's not going to be. Yeah, you're right. You know, and I, but I was thinking, William Sonoma is going to be worth yeah, more, than, more, it, more than all of VR. Yeah, I, they were putting it on my head, and I'm like, I said, ready for prime time, and I think the people weren't paying attention. I was saying, this is just ridiculous. I should be able to put on a pair of glasses and feel this. The test or is any, anytime a drug. you have. Anytime you have something in the, the hallway of a conference, it means it's a failed technology, <laughs> right? Remember how many 3D printers? You probably had one yes. at Recode. Or what? No, we, I hated 3D printers. Uh, do you just, have, but have you had yeah, VR headsets? Yeah, we've had it. We've okay. had it. We've had it, yeah. At Can, we may we, have more. We all lined up to play yeah. some weird game or feel yeah. like what it's like to be on a roller coaster. And then it's yeah. like, wow, that's amazing. Would you buy one? No way. Do you see a glimpse of what it could be like? Like surfing. Like I don't ever want to surf a big wave in Hawaii, but I'd like to feel what it was like. I could see. Oh, you should surf. And I you I did. Try. I took a surfing lesson, Scott, recently. I did. I was fine. But so here's too the many sharks where you are, but it's fun. I, I get that. But I'm saying I'm talking about an enormous wave that I would never do. So it would be cool to experience. Yeah, once. You, not, are you going to have one of these in your home? Yes, exactly. That's what I mean. It's just not. Yeah, exactly. It's a head fake. Right. All right. Okay. Scott Siebold, we have one more question to get to the break. I'd love to hear uh, Scott Galloway talk about MoviePass and the brands of the future in the movie industry. Is MoviePass sustainable? Is it another Spotify, Uber, or Airbnb, et cetera? Customers love the service, but it has to make up its margins in the B2B space, and other businesses, particularly AMC, seem to hate it. Are there companies that have faced similar problems? How will it convince other brands to work with them? MoviePass is obviously this, you get to watch as many movies as you want. Yeah. So I think MoviePass is like Wayfair. I think the business model makes no sense. And unless they get acquired and create— Explain the, Wayfair as a, as a furniture. Wayfair, the online furniture startup, two-thirds of Williams-Sonoma customers, restoration customers, buy again within 12 months. Wayfair, it's, it's um, one-third, so it doesn't have nearly the loyalty. Mm-hmm. The amount of money they're spending on TV advertising, it's Pets.com. Yeah. And so is Jet.com. And mm-hmm. Jet.com got, got acquired. So. Smart. 
they're playing a game of chicken, and mm-hmm. maybe they'll win. But I would say uh, MoviePass falls in that category. If you look at the economic model, mm-hmm. it just doesn't. I mean, when the music stops, it's going to be pretty ugly there. So, the CEO's ability to tell a story and raise a ton of capital to get out the other end and have a panicked old economy movie theater chain buy them, mm-hmm. maybe. But it, the, he's playing a dangerous game. He has a gun cocked and loaded at his head, mm-hmm. and it's going off every few seconds until he gets acquired. So right. I would say it's about a two-thirds chance it gets acquired for below the cash that's gone into the company or outright goes out of business. But movies, movie theaters are largely going away. They're going to be a place where you go where what I'll call teenagers and red states go to see these awful superhero films. Right. And then everybody else is going to find that their viewing experience at home is just superior. Right. Or even on your phone, which is interesting. I, I haven't been in a movie theater in a long I used Why to go Why would all the you? Time. I'm scared going uh, to movie. I know I realize how stupid lame yeah. that makes me feel. Yeah, yeah. But I go to movie theaters and I don't I don't enjoy the experience. I don't feel it's you know, there's there's something called iPick, which is amazing. But yeah. g- generally speaking, the the, the the viewing experience at home, I just watched this great new show off of a uh, um, Oh, I forget the network uh, called The Terror, and mm-hmm. it's so well done. And I mm-hmm. keep discovering these new TV Things series. Things that Netflix has in the hundreds of them. Oh my! The key to happiness: working out, depth of your relationships, and more TV, Kara. Right. <laughs> more TV. When we look back on this yeah. era, on yeah. our age, well, we'll, we'll we'll identify that the defining art form of our age was television. Yeah. It it's always incredible, been, right? For me. For, even back it's in the day, it's all, all in the family, all, yeah, you know, Maude, like go yeah. you know, way Mary back. Mary Tyler Moore, all of them. Yeah, it always has been. Yeah, Frasier. Movies uh, has not have not been what's changed. My my movies were for my mom for sure. Like she went down to the movie theater, and you're right. The experience. If they don't have a lie back chair, I ain't going to a movie theater anymore. They have. Like, a, do they have an eye pick in San Francisco? Yeah, they got a lot of them. Of yeah. course, we got it all. Yeah, you know, and they have good food actually. Good yeah, and food. they bring you alcohol. They bring you alcohol, which is genius. Yeah, I know. There's one called Alamo Draft House, obviously going around the country. All right, we're going to take a quick break. So you think it's done? Movie pass. It's a, what about the idea of it? What do you think of the idea of it? Um, so every boardroom in a consumer company needs to ask: How do we overinvest, create an incredible value proposition, and, com- and and convince the consumer to be monogamous with us? and go into a recurring revenue relationship. Right. Every consumer company needs to be asking that. Mm-hmm. And they've done it, but in order to get the share they, they initially want out of the box, they've had to discount and create an economic model that just doesn't work. But it's the right idea, recurring mm-hmm. revenue, membership, not think about it, anything I want. I don't have to do the trade-offs of, of how much, which movie mm-hmm. I'm willing to pay for. That's where the world is headed. It just doesn't, they just not capitalize well enough to pull it right. off. Right, and they've also antagonized the people they need to be partners with. And the, the distribution, the theaters yeah. or the contact the guys? The theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be, I, I, I'm not, I think they're pioneers and are going to end up with mud on their face and arrows in their back. Mm-hmm. But Cr- the idea. Oh, makes all the sense in the world. Right. We're moving to a small number of relationships that we pay at monthly like fee. Like Amazon Prime. Someone, take my clue. I, I'm going to pay somebody. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the board of Urban Outfitters and I hope it's us. I think we're in a position to have have a group of very affluent and middle income uh, tasteful, professional females say, take my apparel decision-making off yeah. off the table and yeah. handle it for me. Yeah. Handle it and do a really good job, and I'll pay you $49.99, yeah, dollars a month. and send it back. From, I don't want to make any decisions. the fancy stuff, I, want, I don't want to own it anymore. I, I don't like it. You need Easy your to jeans return. and your T-shirt, which is interesting, and everything else. You get to know me. 
Yeah. Know that what I like, know that I have a weird-shaped body, and just yeah. take the decision-making. I never need to go into an apparel store again. Buying yeah. a high-end bag or a Panerai watch, that's fun. But 90% of our purchases yeah. are low-consideration. Repent- exactly. We're going to move to a series you know, of portals. Did I tell you about my recent experience with Stitch Fix? It was really interesting. So I've been doing it because we're having Katerina on stage yep. at Code. And so, and I'm not the demo. Like, I'm way too old. But I, they, they would send me stuff, and I'd send it back, send it back. i try on everything. It yeah. was interesting. And, and I, like, I like the concept kind of thing and because I don't like stores and every time they get it wrong and then they one time this last time I liked three things and I kept them I actually bought them and I yeah. would have rather have rented them but I I kept them I liked yeah. them and in the note from the stylist she said I finally figured you out you're androgynous and simple she Which, used the word androgynous yeah. that's oh, pretty yeah. ballsy I know I was like fuck you but then I was like and accurate <laughs> and so it was yeah, the truth really, hurts right I was like, okay, got it. She got it, which was, and I thought, okay, she gets me. That was, so I'll give you an example. I think Stitch Fix is a head fake. The the, the core competence of Stitch Fix Mm -hmm. is the core competence of every specialty retailer. You know what they have at Stitch Fix? They have really good merchants. Mm Mm-hmm. They send you pretty cool stuff. Yeah. They call it AI so they can get traded a multiple of revenues versus yeah. a multiple of EBITDA. Be clear. They're a great specialty retailer that hired really talented merchants, and then their PR department called it AI. Yeah. Yep. All right, then, on that. Scott, we're going to take a quick break from a word from our sponsors, and then we'll get back with Scott Galloway. Scott, can you give me your best reading of the line, hashtag money? Just say hashtag money. In a very hashtag way. money. No, no, in a way that people would want to buy. Want to buy what? I don't Anything worth selling. I'm going to give you, I'm going to toss to an IBM ad in a second. You're going to toss me an IBM No, ad? I'm not going to. I just want you to say hashtag money in a very compelling way that would make people want to buy something. Literally hashtag money. All right, forget hashtag. it, Scott. I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand. What, right, I'm so confused. I know. Just stay right there. Today's show is brought to you by IBM. By 2050, the world population will reach nearly 10 billion, and food production will need to grow by 70%. What if artificial intelligence could help? Farmers are already using it to help increase crop yields. Watson and the IBM Cloud provides access to weather data and analyze satellite imagery to help them monitor soil moisture levels and to reduce water waste. So as the population grows, more food can be put on tables. Let's put smart to work. Find out how at ibm.com slash smart. Hashtag money. Today's show is also brought to you by LinkedIn. Here's my colleague, Nishad Kurwad, to tell you more. When it comes to marketing your business, it's all about reaching the right audience at the right time. So if you want to target your customers where they're engaging every day and when they're ready to make a decision, LinkedIn can help. When you advertise on LinkedIn, you have the opportunity to build long-term relationships with your customers, relationships that often translate into high-quality leads, website traffic, and higher brand awareness. The first step, talking to the right audience. LinkedIn has the marketing tools to help you target your customers with precision, down to their job title, company name, and industry. Four out of five customers who are on LinkedIn are decision makers at their companies, so you're building relationships that really matter. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash media. That's linkedin.com slash media for your free $100 ad credit. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back with Scott Galloway, who's my favorite pundit. Are you a pundit, Scott? 
You just God, have a lot of things God, to say. Yeah. L2 Studios. Scott is also a professor at NYU. We have some questions for our listeners about stuff you said uh, on Rico Dico, which I said you've been a guest twice. This is the third time. The first time you were on the show, you predicted Amazon be the first company to be worth $1 trillion, but it turns out perhaps not. Um, so here's the first question from Harvard Winters. Ask, will Professor Grawley finally admit Apple will get to $1 trillion in market cap first, if not, and how much uh, will he bet me on Amazon? So I'll bet this individual a prime membership that Amazon gets there first. Oh, wow. Why is that? Scott, explain yourself. Everywhere that Amazon bumps up against every other company, mm-hmm. it's winning, whether it's in voice, whether it's in streaming video, whether it's even in hardware, they're right. winning. In addition, when you your investors allow you to reinvest 100 cents on the consumer dollar, whereas the other three have to reinvest, only get to reinvest somewhere between 60 and 90 cents, mm-hmm. you're just going to win. You're, you're going to win. We're going to see... Amazon start to take share and market capitalization away from the other three. It is there, If you were going to write a sequel to the four, mm-hmm. it would be called the one. It would be Amazon. The now, one. Ooh. The, As in there can be only? It feels to me like the per- closest to the Iron Throne is, in fact, Amazon. Well, I was right actually now. referring to a much better movie, which is Highlander. But anyway. Highlander? Hi- hi- there can do be you only Out- one. Do you watch Outlander? The one with Oh, the- Auslander. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, yeah, I do. But Highlander was a movie. You got to go back and watch it. It was back Sean in the day. Sean Connery. But that was the no. guy from Tarzan. Yeah, the Tarzan guy. Yeah. And it was There Can Be Only One. And yeah, then yeah, it was and him. And they cut their heads off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, that, and then that- lightning came out of their heads. Fantastic. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, so Amazon before Apple, because everyone's sort of on this Apple watch. Well, okay, because Apple's closest. Apple's at about 930. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to be snarky, you would say Apple's already at a trillion because they'll return $100 billion to shareholders this year. So if they maintain 900 billion, they're already at a trillion. Apple's an amazing company, but no one has the momentum of Amazon. Amazon. So I'm sticking to my guns with Amazon. Okay. And then what what does that mean, being a trillion dollar company? What is that from a Almost nothing except yeah. we'll obsess over it because it's a, it's a yeah. psychological All right. barrier. All right. Here's another question about Amazon that was tweeted just by New York Spicebo or something like that. Do you feel uh, like your predictions make Amazon suffer from the Hawthorne effect? My producer did some extensive Googling and found the Hawthorne effect refers to individuals altering their behavior in response to being observed. That's the that's Schrodinger's cat, right? One example is that employees at a company working harder because they know the boss is watching. So is Amazon changing how it's business because of you, Scott? <laughs> I, I, hate, yes. I hate smart questions. Um, no, absolutely no. I'm I'm not even I don't I'm not even a gnat on the windshield for Amazon. He I don't think in any way. I don't think in any way they uh, they find me threatening or I influence. Although supposedly I've gotten calls from all of them. They all say the same thing. Come out and meet with us. We want to update you on our thinking. Yeah. They all kind of say the same thing. Yeah, they do that. They do that to me, too. But you're a journalist. You have an yeah. obligation to meet with them. I don't want to meet with them because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to meet them. I'm going to like them. And I'm going to stop speaking my mind. So right. I, I've said, oh, that's a good I'm point. not going to meet with you. And you can't one be mean them, to people you like? Well, I'm really good I have at a that. difficult time. You're, yeah. much more, oh, yeah. you're much more fair. I, yeah. I, I, my emotions get in the way. I was meeting with an internet person, and they're like, I'm so glad we've become friends. I'm like, we're not we're friends. We're not friends. I Don't said it yourself. out loud, and they're like, what? And <laughs> they're like, yourself. I said, I'm here because I want information from you. And they're like, oh. Yeah, I you go, should be wary of that. Yeah, yeah, I was like, sorry. No, we're not you friends. You need to get a better friends. But one, one of them called me back and was actually quite aggressive and said, you have an obligation to meet with us because you're out in mm-hmm. the public talking about us and saying damaging things. And I said, I'm not a journalist. I don't have any obligation oh, they go crazy. Yeah. yeah, they go crazy when you say damaging things. If you, I said one thing on CNBC, Amazon was on the phone to me like seconds later. It was, yeah. I was sort of like, whoa, that was so fast. But you're a journalist. I think you're held to a higher standard. I think in America, it was a minor thing. I said, you don't understand. I said something. I'm making a joke yeah, about also, the warehouse. Also, you carry more weight than me. They see me as a harmless professor hanging out oh, with a Labrador so. in a sweater, a cardigan, so. smoking I don't a think pipe. So, so are you not going to visit them? You I don't want to know. You them. don't want to see some of their warehouses. They're pretty cool. 
Uh, the, I'd go. I would absolutely go see the warehouses. Go, I go think see that would the warehouses. Awesome. I got. I went there. Yeah. Nobody's in them, and that the future of work is it doesn't There's involve people. There's people there, but you should see them. I, I'd love to know what you think. No you one's invited me. To, one, see, no one's invited me to the warehouses. Go to the warehouses. They even let me take pictures. I'll send you pictures. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's it, so. You, next time, I ask. Can I bring my buddy Scott? Yes, I, I would will. love to see. All right, an we're Amazon going. To, we're going to Seattle. We're going to go yeah, see. Yeah, that's that's a place I would go. There was one in Kent, I think, Washington, which is right near uh, the Seattle headquarters. But I went to a fundraiser uh, of a, a representative who's running for Senate in Nevada yesterday, and then I didn't realize it, but it ended up it was being held at one of these companies. Mm-hmm. And I walked in. I was immediately self conscious. I didn't order coffee there at their coffee bar. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt. Like I was going to slip and break a hip, and I, I felt like I was, <laughs> you know, you feel so old at these places, yeah. and I, I felt I felt as if I just needed to get out of there, that I was intruding, and I didn't want to eat their food. You I just want to observe okay. them from afar. You're like the it's Margaret just Mead. E- of, it's just easier. Yeah, it is. You're it's right. It's easier. Yeah, although I certainly I can be I can meet them and be just as unpleasant later. Yeah, but but you're a journalist, and you have a level of rigor and a level of fairness, okay. and these people know you. These people know you. I think it's much more interesting to be— uh, This is just your observations. This is just your intelligent yeah. observations. Okay. Two questions from Gaurav Bhatti. What is the biggest problem for Apple today other than the usual generic problems throughout the valley, diversity, harassment, unequal—other <laughs> than those, Mrs. Lincoln? Other than those? Unequal gender pay and lack of privacy. And which big tech company has the least embarrassing public perception when it comes to AI taking away people's jobs and why? The first so one, two questions. Apple. Biggest threat to Apple is the biggest threat to every company in America right now, and that's Amazon. Mm-hmm. All uh, right. The most most innovative, uh, disruptive piece of hardware in the history of mankind was the iPhone, and it's passing the baton un, un, unwittingly to Amazon's mm-hmm. uh, Echo. All right. So Amazon is their biggest threat. I thought I think that in terms of who is sort of the the least damaged. It's it's actually you're involved in this. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely now Apple, and it's because of the interview Tim Cook did with you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I let, tell let me, me more. Let me be clear. I, I still think he's largely full this of shit. This is an interview I did in Chicago. Uh, with <laughs> yeah, him. the MSNBC yep. and the guy it was an hour, part of the Chris line Hayes, yeah. with Chris. But quite frankly, he came across as the adult in the room. Right. It's like okay, he is uh, an adult, so that was and he's easy a thoughtful guy. He's mm-hmm. got. He, they saw an opening strategically to put their finger in the wound of privacy for the other guys. Mm-hmm. And he talks about it as a human right. He's super likable. You mm-hmm. get the sense he really believes what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And they're well positioned because they've gone the other way to say, we don't even want your data. Right. So to a certain extent, Apple has brilliantly taken advantage of the situation and starts their hat white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, do. are they the largest tax avoider in the history of corporate America? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, is it easy for them to talk about data and privacy when they're not in that building? Yeah. Is taking the iPad away from my seven-year-old tantamount to watch taking a crack pipe away from <laughs> a crack addict? I mean, literally, have yeah. you, you, have, you have boys, yep. right? They love their iPhones. You literally register this emotion. Mm-hmm. So we let our kids on screen. When you first have kids, think you think you're going to pierce. Them away. They look at you like memo to self must kill father. Right, yeah. And something strange is going on in the human brain there. So if all of a sudden Tim Cook's very concerned about privacy, I would be, love it if Mark Zuckerberg all of a sudden became very concerned with the young male brain and mm-hmm. iPads and, yeah. and phones. Yeah, yeah, maybe he will. He was trying very hard to defend himself. I think he's scared. He, I don't think he, he wants he to. He did a mistake. He's like, uh, he, what my favorite thing was, his argument is iPhones are expensive. And I was like, newsflash, you're kidding. Nobody knew that. Like, wow. that was their argument. It's a lot for of money. rich people. Yeah. It's for rich people. No, he like, should stay out of that. That was anyone, a mistake. Anyone who takes on Tim Cook is going to get the shit kicked out of him. That was a mistake. Because and he's he, likable, yeah. smart, 
You don't want to. Uh, his the exact response and he's there. Correct. The he's, exact response there should have been, "I'm going to take this to heart because I think Tim Cook is a leader." Exactly. And, and incredibly That's exactly smart. what I thought. That, what was amazing what was said. that he answered a question. It was they they sell things to rich people because I was like, "We know that. Like yeah, we're not we mad. Figure that we, out. We're not mad at Apple about that. Yeah, we're not Facebook sells advertising we to rich companies. Does, we're all yes, trying to sell things yeah, to rich people. Yeah, it was people. funny. Indignant hashtag money. Buy, hashtag money. Good. Well done. <laughs> right. Um, you, it, they were indignant that Apple sells things like, that are expensive, and that was ridiculous for Mark to yeah, make sell The stuff. second thing was, if you looked at the notes they had at the hearing, there mm-hmm. was like like a tiny little bunch of like little things that he had to refer to for privacy. The Apple section was enormous. Like, he was yeah. so mad. They were so mad about that. It really got their goat. I think really they all hate each other. Yeah. I think when you get to that point, goat. it's like being a partner at Goldman Sachs. You look around the partner meetings, and everybody wakes up in the morning and looks in the mirror and says, hello, Mr. CEO. Yeah. They yeah. all believe, every senator wakes up in the morning and says, says hello, Mr. hello Mr. President. Mrs. President. Right, yeah. So they all start to hate each other. They yeah. all feel to the rightful heir to the throne. Yeah, which is interesting. But I think Tim has his longer game. I don't think he does. Like, I don't feel like he... He, he seems more thoughtful. He, He's faced probably more adversity. I, I I have this theory. I don't that, think he gives a fuck. That's what I think. Well, he's, he's at like, the point he's probably. He's at the point. Like I've already, like I'm. But the, you, you and I are the same, yeah. same age. This is the wonderful thing that happens. You mm-hmm. realize you've got ten more Christmases with your seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've got thirty more here on the planet, and you start speaking your mind and thinking right. a little bit more about the future. A thirty-three-year-old. I'm convinced that white kids from affluent families mm-hmm. are less empathetic and make less. Uh, that sounds racist. Mm-hmm. Kids from privilege, who've never had to overcome any sort of adversity. Where, uh, unlike immigrants, unlike mm-hmm. people who maybe grew up with some form of discrimination, I don't. I think they're the scariest CEOs because yeah, I think I their attitude agree. is they, they don't, don't even think about it. I'm a competitor. You know, sign oh, or join or die. On Twitter, what? I never uh, I made it. Why shouldn't you? I don't think they have the same level of empathy yeah. and what I'll call self awareness. I, I was making this. I was at an event with Samantha B last night that she was doing, and I was making the point that the re, the Harvey Weinstein stories were written by women and a gay man. That's who broke them. There was a reason for that. They under, they had an empathy that, or had suffered some sort of discre- They understood uh, yeah. much better, and no, and everybody knew about that, and though and didn't get it out. It was interesting. I just it's that's where a lot of the, the anger is not the anger. The action is coming from. All right, which big tech? We got to get through these. Which big tech companies have the least embarrassing public relations problem? Apple. With a- Apple. Okay, yeah. you're absolutely right. And the rest of them are. The rest of them, you know, have, Elon Musk is sort of on the other side of that. Yeah, oh, he equation. blew it, though. It sucks to be a grown-up. He had his Enron moment. Remember the CEO of Enron called an analyst an asshole? Oh, yeah. And then six months later, that. he was in jail. When Elon Musk said that those the analysts quit, everybody has a boss. Tell, tell all. He's not going to like this, but go ahead. Look, everybody has, a bo- everybody has a boss. And when you decide to go public and the marketplace gives you a multiple of revenues on an auto company that should be trading at a multiple of EBITDA, which you have none, yeah, it sucks to be a grown-up. You take people's questions and you humor them. Mm-hmm. You don't say, oh, these questions are boring and then go and then and then let a fanboy ask you questions for six and call these these people boring. That was just, that was a very, I think the right thing happened there. That's when the chairman of the company, oh, unfortunately, Elon's both the chairman, mm-hmm. but maybe his, someone else on the board, maybe his brother, who's mm-hmm. also on the board, can sit him <laughs> down. But some, that's when a good board member calls and says, look, buddy, get your shit together. Right. If you're going to take their money and right. you're going to get incredibly cheap source of capital, which we are using to fulfill mm-hmm. your mission to put men on Mars, mm-hmm. then you have to put up with questions like this. Right. And there was an immaturity tax placed on Tesla shareholders of $3 billion. They lost $3 billion that day after announcing immaturity good numbers. Immaturity tax. 
You don't get on an earnings call and say these are stupid, boring questions when analysts are asking you about liquidity. Well, isn't that the Elon thing to do? This firm has – it has a liquidity issue. Right. I mean, that could take the stock down. I've said – I said I think I think Tesla it could run the risk of declining 30 to 50 percent this year because they could end up in a liquidity crunch at the end of the year. And he's staked a claim now that they don't need to raise additional capital. Mm-hmm. They should have done it last Why year. Why is he doing it, do you think? Why is he doing – What he did. I think that uh, a guy like that, who's the Thomas Edison of our generation, has been he told that over and over. Fools, yeah. You get to a point where you're, you're. I mean, why am I occasionally angry at a, a rude to an Uber driver? And I'm not proud of that. Right. But you, you, you get, you get used to a certain level of expectation around thinking you're important. Around right. you, you get, you anchor off the best service you've ever had, right. and you find yourself being rude, recognizing, you know what? It sucks to be a grown up, and you mm-hmm. need to be more empathetic, and when you're the CEO of a company, you sign up yeah. to put up with a lot of yeah. bullshit from investors. You no, know, I had Jason Calacanis, who knows him very well, and I, I know him pretty, and I haven't talked to him in a while because we've had a back and forth on something, but he uh, he was saying he sets these enormous goals, and then he he's up frustrated when people are, like, the goals are much more interesting than other people's goals, right? Going to Mars, doing the cars, it's, it, they are, they're more ambitious. Oh, things. it's every And so if he gets to dream. 70%, and you still say, why didn't you get the other – he gets annoyed by that. Like he's setting these ridiculous goals to start with and so he doesn't want your guff essentially. You have to thread a fine needle um, to be an effective CEO and that is you have to be a megalomaniac that has your ego in check. Mm-hmm. You have to believe you're capable of accomplishing these extraordinary things. Right. And what is the core competence of these guys? They're too stupid and crazy to know they're going to fail. Right. But in order to have that kind of megalomania, at the same time, you also have to keep it in check mm-hmm. and have a, a certain amount of empathy and a certain amount of humility. Right. And th- that is very hard to find in Bezos. one body. Bezos. He strikes me he as very gets savvy. He gets offended himself, but he never shows it. It's never shows anger. Always quick to laugh. I've seen it twice, and I was surprised. Well, supposedly, if you work for him, you see it a lot. Yes, you do. I, I, he got mad at me about something years ago, and I was, and he's still mad at me. I think about he's it. still angry. I think so. It's like fifteen years. He but he lets you into his warehouses. Uh, he, I, maybe he doesn't know I'm there. <laughs> I don't know. We talked I bet a lot. He, I think he knows and he everything. Got mad. I know he got I mad about everything. something, and I think he's still mad. It was really? a, it was a thing about end caps. Hashtag forgiveness, Jeff. If no, you're I don't know. I just I feel it because we, we talked quite a bit. We used to talk quite a bit. Okay, too embarrassed. We go. I've read Professor Galloway critiques CEOs like Zuckerberg and Bezos for business decisions that are arguably unethical. I understand that. Some part of it that is branding. People need to like you to buy your stuff. But do companies have ethical responsibilities? This is this is a really great question. Civic ones. Example: I live in Seattle. We have a huge homeless problem, and Amazon stopped construction of yeah. a new building in protest of a head tax to help a homeless population arguably displaced by Amazon's growth. The same thing with the Rooney rules. Yeah. They finally went into yeah. them. So, do they have an ethical responsibilities? Yeah, the whole, I'll take my building and and go home. Um, yeah. Yeah, they do. But I'm, I'm a bit cynical. I think in a capitalist society, the enterprise, the for-profit enterprise is there first and foremost to create economic security for its shareholders and employees. And I think that's what they need to be focused on. Mm-hmm. Being a good citizen is as good business. But at the end of the day, the externalities that are caused by unfettered growth, it's our responsibility to take the 23% of GDP we allocate to government and hold government accountable and ensure that they do behave Will ethically. government do that? I actually think government's underrated in terms of, I think, for the most part— They have the ability to do it. They have the ability, and they've done a pretty good job. I mean, we have figured out—we do have emission standards on cars in California. We do (laughs) (laughs) have—we'll see, right? Right. 
we do have standards. Regulation mm-hmm. does work. Maybe it's inefficient. Maybe it's expensive. Mm-hmm. I think the ethical responsibility is on behalf of the citizenry. I think we're the ones that are failing. Yeah, uh, I agree with you 100%. Not I understand. It's our job. Uh, it is. Right? But it's our job to bother them to do it. Like to Hold make them, them accountable. Feel, and make them feel guilty about it. Like I think it does have an impact if you keep saying you have a responsibility. What are you doing? I think it, it gets in there. But I'll give you an example, and, and, I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm nervous saying this. I bought Facebook stock the day before the earnings mm-hmm. because I think, and, and that's hypocritical because I'm, I'm very critical of right. Facebook. I think young people or old people, such as I think we have an obligation to create economic security for us and our families. Mm-hmm. And then to use that economic security to create fantastic, secure households to raise thoughtful, considerate, empathetic children. I also think we have a responsibility to elect officials, as I am want to do and fighting to do and willing to spend some money on, to put in place elected representatives that will hold these companies accountable. Mm-hmm. But the notion that this revolution is going to be consumer-led, no way. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think we should expect consumer. Yeah. consumers at the end of the day want their little black dress for nine ninety nine. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. And we talk a big game. Everybody talks about how young students, you know, they come talking about are more mission-driven now, mm-hmm. more socially conscious. I just think that's such bullshit. Well, it's interesting. I think one of the things someone told me, consumers, they were talking about Facebook or one of them, and said, consumers don't care to me. And I said, yeah, I don't care if they don't care. We're just going to do it anyway. We're going to just regulate them anyway. It doesn't matter well, if That's care. the point. That shouldn't be the criteria. You could, there is a huge marketplace for consumers who will fly for $49 with one pilot and poor safety maintenance. Right. But we've decided, no, yeah. we're going to regulate. We're going to create something called the FAA. Yeah. And even though there's a large consumer base that would take, you know, the, the, the yeah, near the infinitely cheaper. small yeah. risk but take bigger risks, we've decided that yeah. we're going to regulate things. And we step in. And so it's like not, your kids and sugar. Like, they, could, they would eat sugar. They would food. do it, right? It's our job. <laughs> it's our job. They're always saying this to me. It's like, it's the, it, it's the, it's not, a, there's not a business reason. I said, we're just going to do it anyway. We're just going to uh, go for it. But I also think the business reason, it, it, they haven't done anything wrong. I don't think we're punishing them. But if you look at where we are in the economic cycle, I think we could unleash another 20 to 30 years of unbelievable innovation and shareholder growth by breaking these guys up. I think yeah. we need to oxygenate Breaking them up. The okay, we'll finish on that in a second. But one more question. Ask them about the future of AI and machine learning, how it affects jobs. That's why it's going to get broke, because these jobs impact. Do you think that's the most important thing? I think it's the scariest thing. I spoke after Jeff Bezos at uh, the Alternative Investments Conference hosted by J.P. Morgan last year in Miami, and he said he was a fan of universal guaranteed income, Yeah, which I found terrifying, that the most intelligent, forward-looking business person in the world is basically seeing the future of business, and it doesn't involve humans. Mm -hmm. And what they fail to realize, they think they're being charitable by saying— That's a very important point you just made. They think they're being charitable about keeping people at home. I get my identity through two things— being a good dad mm-hmm. and my work. Mm-hmm. And the idea that I would be paid to stay home because I was no longer viable in the workplace, to me, would be incredibly emasculating. Yeah. Take my dignity. Take mm-hmm. Part of the American experience is work. we're philanthropic, we're innovative, and you know what? We work. Mm-hmm. And so my feeling is that Jeff Bezos... You saying know, that. Uh, ...is really frightening, and I would say to him, you know, s- show some real fucking vision. Figure out a future that involves a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. And what do those jobs would be? Scott? Well, for, I, I, why should humans mine coal? It's ridiculous. It's a dangerous. Oh, get rid of the dirty. The, get rid of the dirty jobs. But there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of fantastic opportunities. I'd like to think for more more work. And mm-hmm. the jobs are out there. We just don't seem to be willing to invest in the training, apprentice, apprenticeships, education. So who's, again, responsible? Is that the, these companies? They, Jeff Bezos should be thinking about it. I agree with you. Well, I think a guy like that, when you're the wealthiest man in the world, I do think you take on a different level of responsibility. Because mm-hmm. arguably speaking, if wealthy equals power, he's the most powerful person in the world. So with great 
power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it goes back to government. I think we need to spend more money. I think, look, we make these decisions. People, people immediately digress to this is the world we live in. No, it's not. The world mm-hmm. is what we make of it. Right. In New York. Oh, Scott, you should run for office. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll support you. I'll write you a check and let you. Come on, and, Scott. And hear all the bad things about you come out it. of the closet. Yeah. But in New York, we have, we have mandated, we're, when my son was speech delayed, mm-hmm. the government showed up with a bunch of people to help my kids right. start to speak. And it's yeah. a wonderful thing. And we have, we have pre-K funding for kids. We're going to have more secure kids. What your governor is doing in California mm-hmm. is he's being responsible and yeah. he's reallocating We're capital. We're going to miss Jerry Brown. I think he's been fantastic. We're going to miss Jerry Brown. And so, yeah, I, government and society, the fabric that brings us all together has an mm-hmm. incredible obligation and opportunity. We have the money. So it's not the, it's not the federal government at this moment. I, I don't think so. I think we've decided that, I, I think the I mean, we're getting off topic here, but when you spend two-thirds of your money in further enriching the wealthiest generation in history, baby boomers, mm-hmm. I think we've kind of become— Yeah, lost the story. Lost, lost the script here. Right. Okay. All right, Scott, any other prediction you want to make before we end? Any other prediction? Um, Go crazy. I think Tesla's value declines by 30 to 50 percent. Facebook's going to be over 200 bucks in the next 90 days and 250 by the end of the year. Amazon's going to be our first trillion-dollar company. Spotify's going to double in value in the next 24 months. Having the Antarctic code, that would be good. Double in value, okay. Um, Well, they could be the fifth horseman. They tap into an instinct. Music is really important in terms of storytelling, emotion. Snap? Uh, Snap's going to be acquired. Uh, It'll be be picked up. Uh, Somebody... What do you think? The obvious one is Google, but I don't know. What do you think? Amazon. Who do you think acquires Snap? You think Amazon does? Apple, Amazon. Yeah, I'm trying to think guys. of who he would sell to. He's a very particular young man. Well, and he controls the company. Yeah. I mean, there's an example, right? A 27-year-old who controls what teenagers see in terms of content who can't be he removed from He wants someone with taste. He has a lot of taste, I got to say. He's a design guy, right? More than that. Whenever I talk to him, I always learn something. I well, here's so. a question for you. Which of the four has the best taste? Who would you argue has the best taste? Of these four companies? Yeah. Like, who would he want to most sell to? If you're Evan Spiegel, well, who would different. he most want to sell to? Apple has the most taste, but I don't think you get get on. It's an older group cohort of guys there. Um, Amazon. Amazon? I think he'd be most challenged by Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Hmm. Google, no. Who's See, there? I think me, Jeff Bezos, Evan Spiegel, and throwing Zach Efron mm-hmm. in South Beach would just slay it. I think we would have <laughs> such a good time. It sounds like a buddy. So you know these that guys? That's like a buddy movie. I'm ready. Wanna, okay. I, I'm in. I, okay. All I'm right. Scott, I'll disco- tell them. I'll, I'll pay. Them I just got a new Discover card. Okay. Hashtag money. Okay. All right. Thank you. Once again, Scott, this is another great episode of Two Minutes and another great episode with Scott Galloway. Thanks for joining him on the show. You're going to see more of me and Scott Galloway soon, hopefully, and lots of different things. You can find more interviews I've done with Scott in the archives of my other podcast, Recode Decode. And where do you find those archives? I'm glad you asked. The past episodes of all our podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can listen to every episode of Recode.net slash podcasts. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review there. Otherwise, tell someone about the show in person, over email, on Twitter, on Facebook, or Snapchat. If you have questions about any tech topic or the latest news, tweet them to at Recode with the hashtag TooEmbarrassed or email them to TooEmbarrassed at Recode.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Cadence 13 and Vox Media, which sells those ads so you can listen to this show for free. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then. Hi, this is Dan Fromer, editor-in-chief of Recode. We're conducting an audience survey and want to hear from too embarrassed to ask listeners. 
We're interested in hearing your thoughts about how we can better serve you on this podcast and in all the places and platforms where Recode has a presence. The survey is completely painless and will take just five minutes of your time. To share your thoughts, just head to recode.net slash survey. That's recode.net slash survey. And thank you for being a member of the Recode community. And thanks in advance for helping us continue to improve.